continuing on in Esther this morning. Esther 6. Esther 6. The story is beginning to get good. We're kind of getting to the meat of the story of, of Esther. Up and unto this point, the king uh, maybe has kind of been the most prominent figure in some point. He's kind of kind of been around in every part of the story and the big party at the beginning and the and the getting rid of queen and getting a new queen and elevating Haman to this position of power. The king has kind of been kind of been a central character, and we we gradually were were introduced to Esther, who's been been kind of quiet for the most part in this story, but yet. She has found favor in the eyes of the king and the other folks uh, in the land because God has uh, been with her. And Haman was doing his best to try to eradicate Mordecai and the Jewish people. And Queen Esther decided that she was going to speak up. And we saw in the passage we looked at last week that Queen Esther went before the king. And, and thankfully the king, he allowed her to speak even though he hadn't summoned her. She could have died, but... She took that chance, and the king said, All right, Esther, what do you want? You've come to see me. What can I do for you? Up to half the kingdom, what can I give you? And she said, Well, just come eat with me, king. And he said, I'll do it. She said, and bring, es uh, bring Haman with you, just, just you and Haman. And they came and ate this feast, and the king says, All right, Esther, we're here. What can I do for you? Tell me what you want. And she said, Well, well come eat with me one more time, and I'll, and I'll tell you what I want. And so... Haman was thrilled. I mean, here Haman was, this guy. He had been put in this high position of power by the king. Here he has uh, been eating with the king and the queen just by himself, and, and she's invited them to come again. But, but Haman was still full of rage because he just hated Mordecai. And he told his wife and his friends about his greatness, how great he was, but how having Mordecai there in his sight just, just oh, he was furious. And so his wife and his friend said, well, this is an easy problem for you to solve. Get this big old huge gallows made, 75-foot platform, and have, have Mordecai hang from that platform for everybody to see. Make a, make a big show out of this thing. and Just get up in the morning and have this done. We'll get this gallows built today. We'll get this, this, this platform built that he can hang from in the morning. Have, have Mordecai hanged. And then you can go on back to see the king and you can go to this other banquet that the queen has prepared for you. So Haman liked this idea. He was ready to put an end to his problem. Mordecai, he hated Mordecai. And so Haman was full of pride and full of anger and ready to destroy Mordecai. But God is still in the picture. A reminder, we haven't seen God mentioned not one single time in the book, but yet... We see that God is in the picture, and as the story begins to unfold for us in the next few chapters, we're going to see how God has continued to work and put things just in the right place to save his people. So let's pray, and then we will start in Esther 6. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your good word. And God, I pray that you would help us to see you in your word, and God, I pray that you would help us to see maybe things in our life that doesn't need to be there, God, through your word, that we examine our own life, that, God, we see stories about people like Haman, and we think, man, man, Haman's evil. But, God, let us not be so quick to overlook our own evils. God, maybe some of the same, same things that, that Haman does are things that, that we do. 
And so let us not fall into those same traps. It's easy for us to do, but help us to, help us to learn from your word how we should be, dear Lord. Help us to learn how to trust you. Help us to learn how to seek you. Help us to learn how to be brave. But God, help us also to learn to examine our own lives so that we, we don't fall into the same traps as some of these folks we see in Scripture. So I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would, would be with us today. Speak through me. Speak to each of us, dear Lord, and hide me behind the cross. Take away any of my pride, any of my worries, and God, may you be glorified with everything that's said and done here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, so we left off with Haman with his grand plan. As soon as he gets up the next morning, he's going to kill Mordecai and go about his business. And so we start in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1. That night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bictana and Teresh two eunuchs who guarded the king's entrance when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. So of all the nights that the king couldn't sleep, it just so happened, another coincidence, as we may be tempted to call it, but it's not a coincidence. It's the Lord at work, and the king could not sleep that night. After, after he and, and Haman had went to this big banquet for the king, he goes home, or he goes home and, 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 and he can't sleep. And you've had those nights before. You know, you know what that's like. And, and uh, well, the king didn't have a TV he could turn on. We may turn on our TV or we may play on our phones. We may even read a book. Well, that's what he did, but a different kind of book. He couldn't sleep, and so... He says, get the book that records all the things that goes on and, and, and read me back a record of the things that have occurred. And, and in that book was an event that we saw at the end of Esther chapter 2. A real little brief event that's recorded at the end of Esther 2 that says, oh, and there were a couple of the king's men that were going to assassinate him and Mordecai learned of their plot and he passed word to Esther and said, hey, Esther, I hear, I hear that these guys are going to kill the king. Well, she let the king know the matter was investigated, and sure enough, these guys were going to assassinate the king. And because of what Mordecai heard and reported to Esther, the king's life was spared. And of all the nights that the king couldn't sleep, and of all the things that could have been read before the king, it is no coincidence that this story of what Mordecai did was read before the king. And so the king says, well... Somebody who's done this, who's, who saved my life, I mean, the life of the king, they need, to be, they need to be honored in some way. They need to be recognized. What did we do for this Mordecai? And the guy reading the record said, well, well we didn't do anything for him. Let's continue on in verse 4. The king asked, who's in the court? Now Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared. Again, what a, what a coincidence that Haman would be in the king's palace early the next day. But it was not a coincidence. He was driven by his, his hatred and his anger. The night before, his family and friends had said, you just need to kill Mordecai in the morning. And so I'm sure Haman was raring to go up bright and early, and the first thing he wanted to do was go before the king and see to it that Mordecai was hanged so he could go about his day. And so 
The king couldn't sleep, so he's been up all night. He's probably up early. Haman may be coming in a little earlier than usual because he wants to see to it that Mordecai is killed. And so the king hears about what Mordecai had done and said, what has been done? Well, nothing's been done. And he says, well, who's around? Who's, who's here? And they said, well, well, Haman's here. He's here early this morning. And so the king sends for Haman to come in. In verse 5, the king's attendants answered him, Haman is there standing in the courtyard. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered and the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, Who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Uh-oh. We saw Haman's problem already in this point in the story. He is full of pride. So Haman has got it made. I mean, he has, been, he has been given this position of power. He's done eight with the king and queen in a private banquet. And just a little while, he's going to eat with them again. He's about to kill Mordecai, his, his enemy that he hates. And now, all of a sudden, the king brings him in and says, Look, if the king wanted to really honor somebody, what should be done for him? And Haman, in his pride, didn't think twice. Well, who in the world... Could the king possibly want to honor more than me? I mean, I am pretty great. And we got to be careful that we don't think so highly of ourselves. Maybe, just maybe there have been times in your life that you became proud and you thought you were going to be acknowledged or celebrated in some way. And you just knew somebody was going to do something for you or speak something about you or acknowledge you or celebrate you and honor you. And perhaps you've had your bubble burst. Well, Haman is about to have his bubble burst. So he says, man, there's nobody else that the king could possibly want to honor more than me. He's asking me what's, what's honorable. Well, I'm going to tell him exactly what he needs to do for my honor. And Haman continues on in verse 7. Haman told the king, for the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal diadem on its head. Put the garment on the horse. Excuse me. Put the garment and the horse under the charge of the one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor. Parade him on the horse through the city square and proclaim before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Now, I can imagine that Haman probably already had this in his mind. He probably had this vision. He could probably envision this, this garment being placed on him. And he sitting upon the king's horse. And I suspect his head was back and his shoulders was high. And Haman could probably envision himself riding that horse, smiling at everybody as the king official tells this is the man the king wants to honor. And Haman probably just envisions himself on that horse riding with pride. But in the midst of his, of his imagination, the king says, all right, go and do this for Mordecai. Oh, my. Can you imagine what Haman must have felt as his bubbles burst? Can you imagine the anger he must have felt when the king responded in verse 10? The king told Haman, hurry. Hurry. 
and do just as you have proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew who is sitting at the king's gate. Don't leave out anything you have suggested. So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him. And this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Man, what a, what a major turn of events in this story. We are seeing things mentioned earlier begin to be woven back into the story. The fact that Mordecai had, had, had uncovered this plan to assassinate the king and all of Haman's plans that looked like they were going so well and things were fixing to work out the way they wanted and the Jews were going to be killed, and Mordecai was going to be destroyed, and now we're beginning to see a shift from the king and the king's man, Haman, to Esther, who last week began to take a prominent place in the story. And she began to speak up and use her authority that God had granted her. And now Mordecai, whose life it looked like was just about to end at the end of Esther 5, and yet now, instead of being hanged that morning, he is being paraded around on the king's horse by none other than Haman himself. And Haman's world that was once so bright 24 hours before, things are now looking bleak. And God is playing a part in this story. And he has placed his people in just the right place at just the right time. And he has protected them from the hands of their enemy. And not only has God spared them, but God has placed them into positions of honor and authority. I mean, the queen. And, and, and here this one that's, that's riding the king's horse and wearing the, the king's garments and, and being honored by the king in front of all of the people. I mean, God is, is faithful to take care of those who are his. Even in the worst situations, he can take his people and he can raise them out of the mud and raised them to the highest places. And that's what he had done with Esther. And that's what he had done with Mordecai. In verse 12. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman, overwhelmed, hurried off for home with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the eunuchs of the king arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. Haman's mourning has not gone according to plan. And he is ashamed after having to, to, to escort Mordecai around and show him honor. He is he can't even bear to show his face. He covers his face and he runs home. And there are those same advisors and friends and his wife, no doubt, that were there the night before that said, you need to kill Mordecai. And now their story is much different. They say, Haman, you're in trouble. Because now Mordecai has begun to gain favor. And you have begun to fall before Mordecai. And you will not overcome this. And before he even really has time to process this or think about what is to come next, the banquet he had looked so forward to, he is now ushered off to, but with much less excitement than he initially had. 
this is a good story for us to consider in our life. What about us? Do we seek the position of honor? Do we seek the position of honor in our life? Is our pride like that of Haman that we talked about last week that we still see continue to grow in the passage we look at this week? You see, in our pride, we will do a lot of evil things. In our pride, we will overlook a lot of things that maybe we should notice and recognize. In our pride, one of those things that we overlook is God and the power of God. And Haman was so full of himself that his pride became his downfall. You know, this story is, is really in some ways not so different from the story of Jesus Christ and the way that the people treated Jesus and their pride. Many of the people that Jesus tried to reach were, were very religious people, and they thought that they were very godly people. They thought that they were probably the most godly people and that they knew God's word better than anybody and that God was more pleased with them than anybody could be. I mean, how could he not be? They were so religious in all that they did. And Jesus came onto the scene but they didn't show Jesus honor. They hated Jesus. In the same way that, that Haman hated Mordecai, many of the people that Jesus came to minister to and came to save, they hated Jesus. And instead of showing Jesus honor, they desired to destroy Jesus. And indeed, they did just that, at least for a moment. And instead of showing Jesus honor, they beat Jesus, they mocked Jesus, they placed a crown of thorns on his head, and they nailed him to a cross. But that's not the honor that, that Jesus deserved. That's not the honor that Jesus was to have. And they tried their best to dishonor Jesus and disrespect Jesus. But those who are proud that think they deserve the honor are no different than Mordecai, or excuse me, than Haman in this story. He thought he was deserving of honor, but that was just his pride speaking. And the very one, the very one that maybe you would overlook, the very one that you would think wasn't deserving of honor, at least not in the eyes of Haman, was Mordecai. But perhaps this is a great example of the very thing that Jesus said on multiple occasions. Those who are first shall be last, and those who are last will be first. And Haman had placed himself in a high position. Indeed, the king had placed him in a high position. And in his mind, he was first. Who else could the king want to honor more than me? I am great. But yet the first will be last, and the last will be first. And so it is with Jesus. And those who religious folks who said, man, who is better than us? Not this guy and the things that he's preaching and teaching. We we know everything. We know our way. We're going to do it our way. And so they had Jesus nailed to a cross. And it appeared just for a moment that Jesus was the least of these, that Jesus was last. But three days later, he arose from the grave, and the last was made first. But what about those who nailed Jesus to a cross? Well, did they not repent? If they didn't repent, if they didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, even though they thought they were 
they were first, they will one day find out that they are last. The story of Haman gives us a great example of what pride looks like and what it'll do to us and how it will lead to our downfall just the same. But the story of Mordecai shows us how the humble are raised up. The story of the life of Jesus tells us what it means to be humble. So what about you today? What do you seek? Do you seek the place of honor? Or do you seek a position of service? You see, because Haman wasn't worried about anything but himself. And many of the people that Jesus ministered to weren't worried about anybody but themselves. And they enjoyed the places of honor. They enjoyed to be recognized for their greatness, but not so for Jesus. He was humble. He was so humble, in fact, that he didn't sit at the place of honor. He offered himself as a servant. There's really one great example of that before Jesus gave his life on a cross, which is the greatest example, but another great example of Jesus doing that is when he washed the disciples' feet. And that's about the most humble thing you can do. And Jesus could have sat at the table that night and he could have said to them, I am the Son of God. You make me something to eat. You make me something to drink. You wash my feet. And that's the attitude of pride. That's probably the kind of thing that Haman would have said. And that may be the kind of thing that you and I are tempted to say. But not Jesus. He didn't use his power for himself. He didn't seek a position of honor. He came to serve. And of all the things the Son of God could do, he washed the feet of his disciples. And that's the example that we go by. That's the example that we should go by. That we don't find ourselves in the same situation that Haman finds himself in. And maybe, just maybe, we feel like Mordecai today. Or we feel like we are doomed. I mean, Mordecai was, he didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, he knew that, that this order to kill all the Jews had been placed. And, and what if the queen couldn't stop this? What if his life was in jeopardy? I mean, things were looking rough for Mordecai. What was he going to do? And perhaps we feel like we are in those situations where our situations and our enemies seem too great for us. And it feels like we are doomed. It feels like those who have power and pride are going to have the last word. But pride will never have the last word. Because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, Death will never have the last word. God has the last word. If we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will have the last word. And even if we suffer in this world, even if we're considered lower in this world, there's coming a day that like Mordecai, we will be lifted up because we are children of God in the same way that Jesus was lifted up. When we look at this story of Haman, we need to look at our own lives. We need to compare the way that Haman lived with the way that Jesus lived. And we need to look at our life and we need to say, where does my life fall on this, on this, on this scale? Where does my life fall? Do I tip the scales toward pride or do I tip the scales toward humility? 
Even though the day that Jesus was nailed to a cross, it may have looked like a victory for those who hated Jesus. But the real victory came in his resurrection. And even though that position of dishonor on the cross occurred that day, there's coming a day when Jesus will return and he will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, he will be honored. On that day, he will be honored by the very ones who desired to kill him. The same thing that occurred in Haman and Mordecai's story. The very one who desired to kill Mordecai was the one who ended up giving him honor before all of the people. And so it is for Jesus Christ. And so it shall be for those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But what about us? In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We need to remember that truth today. That we are not here to be served, but we are here to serve. So let us not think too highly of ourselves. Let us not think too highly of our wealth or our abilities or our positions. But let us remember to keep ourselves humble. Let us remember how Jesus served all the way to death on a cross. And let us follow that example. If you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ today, it is time for you to lay down your pride and to humble yourself before him and say, Lord Jesus, I come before you. I've been ruling my own life. I've been the boss of my own life. But Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my life and to forgive my sins. Because Jesus is on the seat of honor right now. And I pray that we have put our faith in him. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your good words. God, what a, what a great story we see with Haman and Mordecai. But God, help us not to, not to be on the wrong side of that story and in our story, dear Lord. That we are not those who are full of pride. That we are not those who are destroyed by our pride but that we are those who are like Jesus Christ, that we live a life of humility. God, pride is a big temptation for us maybe sometimes. We may be tempted to think too highly of ourselves, but God, the story of Haman is a good warning of just how pride comes before a fall. And so God, let us, let us not seek the place of honor, but let us seek a position of service in our life that we would never think so highly of ourselves that we would miss an opportunity to serve others. God, there is nothing beneath us. There is nothing too low for us to do. Even washing somebody's feet, and God so be it, even something lower, should that be what you call us to. But let us follow the example of Jesus so that we may humble ourselves like Jesus and love like Jesus and to serve like Jesus. And God, we thank you that we can do that. We thank you that Jesus gave his life on a cross for us. And that even though they nailed him to a cross and placed him in the grave, dear Lord, that was not the final say. That Jesus is receiving glory and honor today as he sits at your side. That he is victorious and that, God, your word says that that victory is shared to us if we put our faith in Jesus. So I pray that if there is one that has never put their faith in Jesus today, that they would humble themselves before you, that they'd repent of their sin and that they'd seek you. God, maybe there are some here that are already yours and maybe they're struggling with pride today. Maybe they're, 
Maybe they're right up in the middle of pride today. Maybe they came in this room with a lot of pride. But God, I pray that they'll leave it right here at this room. That they'll leave it at the foot of the cross. That they won't leave out of here proud, dear Lord. But the, we each would leave out of here with a humble heart that's willing and ready to serve. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.